He says, I come when you least expect. We don't know the day or the hour that the Lord comes, but we are commanded to be watching, to be waiting, to be sober, to, to be ones that are about the king's business, knowing that the Lord can come for us at any time. Because we live in the, the expectancy of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Doesn't that affect the way that you think and the way that you live? It does for me. Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. And we do read. Paul the Apostle writing says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaeus, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied. For they refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore acknowledge such men." Verse 19, the churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you and greet one another with a holy kiss. The salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. So Paul, indeed, concluding this letter written to the Christians there at Corinth, and a letter that we know is inspired by the Spirit of God. And as we have looked at this church that existed 2,000 years ago, these Christians there in Corinth, we know that it was a church, as we saw as we opened up the epistle, that was not united in Christ in the way that they should have been and could have been, but actually they were divided. And we saw that Paul was so concerned about that that he addressed them on their division. He says, how is it that some of you say that I'm of Cephas or I'm of Apollos or I'm of Paul or I'm of Christ? And so it was a problem there in the church. And so after Paul addresses that, he continues writing this corrective letter to them. He would address their carnality in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He would say to them that I wish to speak to you as ones that are mature, but I can't. You you are carnal. You're babes in Christ. It was a church that the people were characterized by being self-focused and self-indulgence. There was the acceptance of immorality that was in the church. They were confused on a number of issues. So indeed we have seen that as Paul was writing to them from the city of Ephesus, that this letter was a corrective letter, but also a very informative letter as well. Because we have seen, going through 1 Corinthians, that Paul writes in detail about certain subjects that are important to you and to me. And that is, he writes about Christian marriage. He writes about our liberty in Christ. 
He wrote about the gifts of the Spirit and how the gifts of the Spirit are to be manifested in a corporate gathering. We saw over the last couple weeks he would write in detail this extensive discussion concerning the resurrection. And he would also, as we saw in chapter 16 in the beginning of the chapter last week, that he would talk about giving. And we saw important principles when it comes to you and I in giving. So after all these things that Paul has discussed with this church, now as as he gives his final words, he gives these final exhortations to them. And we read that in verse 13. He says to them, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, And be strong, let all that you do be done with love. And then as we read verses 15 through 18, he writes concerning the household of Stephanus. He says that they were the first um, uh, converts there, there in Achaia. Now, Achaia is that region in southern Greece. When Paul, on his second missionary journey, would go over to Macedonia. Macedonia is that province or region of northern Greece where Philippi and Thessalonica was. But then Paul would continue southward into the province of Achaia. And so here is Stephanus. We read about him, how Paul says, I remember I baptized him in in his household, but others I don't remember there in chapter 1. But they were among the first converts there in Achaia. And then we see that the apostle writes concerning Stephanus and his house, verse 15, that they devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. You in Corinth, you learn from their example that you, verse 16, submit to such a work. And that really is my prayer for for us here at Calvary Chapel, for, for us corporately, for you, for I individually, that we would be ones, that we would be devoted to the work of the Lord, and it would be an example, a blessing to others. I know that a couple weeks ago when, again, we did that medical missions and, and so many of you came out that were able to come out at last minute notice that we gave for that. And there was so much work that needed to be done and, and you labored faithfully and it w- was such a, a witness, such a blessing to those who saw that. Those who came from the hospital and were a part of that and other Christians from some of the other churches that came along that they saw the devotion that we had towards the work of the Lord, and and it was a blessing to them, a a tremendous testimony to them, to, to the work that we and you have done in the Lord and devoted yourselves to. And so what a wonderful testimony that it was. And so he's, he's saying, Stephanus, his household, they're like that. They're devoted to the work of the Lord. And they're doing that work, and it's a blessing to others, an example to you, and submit to such a work. Secondly, concerning Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, Paul was glad to see them. They're going to be ones that are going to bring this letter back to the Christians there in Corinth. And so Paul makes mention, for they have refreshed my spirit. When you are with brothers and sisters, do they say, hey, you refresh me. You bless me. I hope that they do. I'm sure that they do. And that's why it's such a blessing to be here, to be amongst the brethren, because you refresh me, you refresh others. As we gather, there's prayer going on and encouragement and exhortation that has taken place, and we're renewed and built up. 
That's why it's so wonderful to be a part of a church family and to be gathering in, in the fellowship of believers. And so verse 19, as he continues, he mentions now Aquila and Priscilla, who would open up their homes in Ephesus, where Paul was writing this letter again. In Acts chapter 18, when it speaks about Paul's second missionary journey, Paul would come into the city of Corinth and he would meet Aquila and Priscilla for the first time. They were fellow tent makers. Now remember that Paul, when he ministered in Corinth for a year and a half, he was there making tents. He did not receive support from the Corinthian believers. And so he's making tents along with Aquila and Priscilla. They get saved. They become ones that come alongside of Paul in ministering and co-laboring with Paul in the work of the Lord. And so when Paul eventually left Corinth, he would go to Ephesus, Acts chapter 19, for his third missionary journey. And apparently Aquila and Priscilla would follow Paul in continuing in ministering, being a blessing to Paul. And he says that here is Aquila and Priscilla that greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Now, most of you know that in the early church that for many years, for the first couple of centuries, most of the Christians would meet in homes. They didn't have buildings like what we have in America today or in other parts of the world. Sometimes we think the church is the building or we see big churches and things like that. But back in the first century, most of the Christians in Corinth and in other places simply met in homes. And Aquila and Priscilla had opened up their home to the Christians and there was a Bible study and the the church met there. You can go to different parts of the world today and particularly where the Christians are persecuted and that's where the Christians meet. They meet in homes. In China, for example, that we know that in here that there are a couple million home churches that are in China. And, and some of them are underground in those areas where persecution is, is present. You can go in the Middle East, that region, and parts of Africa, and the Christians meet in homes in North Korea where they're persecuted secretly meeting, underground, driven to homes. They don't have building projects and all of this that take place. So here is Aquila and Priscilla Priscilla, ministering with Paul, giving their greetings, and then in verse 20 through 24, he gives his final farewell. He says, May the grace and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And then Paul puts down his pen, and this letter is delivered to those Christians there in Corinth. But before we leave this epistle, I would like this morning to just focus on this final set of exhortation that Paul gives to the church here in verses 13 through 14. These five exhortations that he gives to them, it's like Paul is saying, listen, I've given you correction, I've given instruction to you, now here's some exhortation for you. And five exhortations that have met a lot to me in my life as I read these five exhortations and I pray that are going to be a tremendous blessing to you as we look at them more carefully this morning. He says in verse 13, watch. Secondly, stand fast in the faith. Thirdly, be brave. If you have a King James, it says, quit you like men. Fourthly, be strong. And then in verse 14, number five, he says, let all that you do be done with love. These final exhortations, these five things that we want to look at this morning, he begins by saying there in verse 13, he says, watch. Now, what is it that we're to watch for? Because it is interesting that in the New Testament, 
all throughout the New Testament, from the Gospels through the Epistles, we are told that we are to watch. What is it that we are to watch for? Well, what we are to watch for, first of all, as we discussed last week, is the return of the Lord. It would be Jesus that told you and I, as we discussed last week, that we are to be wise, we are to be the faithful servant that is looking for the master's return. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, that watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And so we've seen that Paul, he has encouraged the Corinthian believers that they should be looking and watching for the Lord. He would say as he closed this letter that he would say that, oh Lord, come. And that was his theme throughout his letters as he was writing to the Christians. He would have them living and encourage them living in the expectation of the coming of the Lord, in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus himself that has told you and I that we are to be the wise servant that is watching, the faithful servant that is continuing to do the things that God has called us to do. Now, just as we discussed last week, because as we were looking at what Paul wrote about concerning the rapture of the church, and last week in that chapter uh, 15 and verse 51, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. As he's speaking about the rapture of the church, we know that Paul would write about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, that those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Paul's speaking about the time when the Lord's going to come for us. And he would encourage them, as I mentioned, to continue looking for the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, he said to wait for his son from heaven. He would say to Titus there in, in that little epistle, writing to that young pastor, he said, be looking for the blessed hope, speaking of the return of the Lord, the rapture of the church. And then Jesus himself said to you and I to be looking for him, to be wise, to be faithful, to keep, keep doing the things of the Lord that he's called you to. Paul would write that we're not children of the night, but of the day. And we are to be sober and watching. We're to be about the king's business. But unfortunately, many Christians today, as we discussed last week, are, are sleeping. They're, they're apathetic. They're even being told more and more that you don't need to be looking for the Lord. That's not important. That shouldn't be our concern. And many Christians, unfortunately, are not looking for the return of the Lord. So I want to ask you again, just as I last, asked you last week, how many of you are truly, honestly looking for the return of the Lord? He says, I come when you least expect. We don't know the day or the hour that the Lord comes, but we are commanded to be watching, to be waiting, to be sober, to, to be ones that are about the king's business, knowing that the Lord can come for us at any time. And as we discussed last week, as we live in the, the expectancy of the imminent return of Jesus Christ, doesn't that affect the way that you think and the way that you live? It does for me. Because I believe that, Lord, if you could, maybe perhaps that you can come back at any time, then I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to keep focused on you. I'm going to live for you because I know that you can come for me. And you promise that you are going to come for the church.
And I know that as, as we discern the days in which we're living in, that we are indeed living in times where it points to the soon return of Jesus Christ. And that's what's going to be so wonderful. And the book of Daniel is not only very practical in those early chapters, but also very prophetic as we get into those visions that Daniel had concerning the last days. And it's going to be amazing because we are going to see very clearly, I believe, that indeed we can discern the days in which we are in, and that is that the signs are pointing to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Folks, don't go to sleep spiritually. Be looking for the Lord. The Lord promised he's going to come back. He's going to come back. And so be watching for him. But also, as we look at this exhortation, what else are we to be watching for? Well, we are to also watch out for the enemy. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So the enemy, the devil as we know, is an adversary who is like a roaring lion that's going to try to come against you. He's going to try to come against me. He's going to try to come against this church because he hates us. He hates you. He hates me. And he's going to do everything that he can to try to get a foothold into your life. He's going to come against you and your spouse. He's going to come against you and your children. He's going to come against you and your family and others that are linked to you in your life. He's going to come between you and other brothers and sisters in Christ. He's going to try to draw you into sin, into the pleasures of the world. He will attack you in every way that he can. Because Satan never has a good day. Then he is called the father of lies, the master deceiver. Jesus said that he's a murderer. And he's going to do anything that he can to try to ruin your life. And if you are here and you're growing in your faith and growing in your love for the Lord, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a, a meeting that Satan's going to have with his demons and your name is going to come up. And we need to be watching and sober and vigilant and aware of his strategies and devices and put on the whole armor of God which is spelled out to us in Scripture there in Ephesians chapter 6. As Paul would write in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, and if you and I do not take up the whole armor of God in these days, listen, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be a casualty. Because there is so much deception. There is so much darkness that is out there. And one of the things that you need to remember, that I need to remember, one of the things that we need to teach our children is this, that if you go into the enemy's territory, he's going to do everything that he can to beat you up, to do you in, to make your life miserable. What did we see a couple Wednesday nights ago in the book of Judges in chapter 14? Samson, where was he? He was in the territory of the enemy, where the Philistines were. He shouldn't have been there. And he's walking through the vineyard, and what happened? That lion pounced on him is what happened. And fortunately for Samson, the Spirit of God came upon him. And we know all about Samson's strength as the Spirit of God came upon him. And he was able to defeat that enemy. Thank God, praise God, that the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And Jesus Christ has defeated the enemy. 
But as a pastor, I see too often Christians and families that are going through just serious and devastating consequences and repercussions because they fell victim to Satan's devices. We need to put on the whole armor of God. And you see, the enemy, he's looking for you not to have your breastplate of righteousness on or your shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. He's looking for you not to have your helmet of salvation on. And it isn't like when we're doing spiritual battle that we can say, oh, Mr. Devil, uh, Satan, can we just stop for a minute because I forgot my breastplate of righteousness and I forgot my sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I forgot my helmet of salvation. He's looking for you not to be armed. He's looking for you not to have that armor on so he can come against you and beat you up. These are perilous times in which we are living in. So we're being exhorted as as they were exhorted 2,000 years ago. Watch. Watch. You watch for the Lord's return. Keep your eyes on Him. And you watch out for the enemy's schemes and devices. In Isaiah, Isaiah, he would speak to the leaders of Judah, the words of God. And God was condemning those leaders because they did not lead the people right. And he would say, the Lord, to those leaders of Judah, that your watchmen that are blind and sleepy and lazy, loving to slumber. Ezekiel would mention the same thing about being a watchman on the wall. Christians and parents, whoever you might be, we are to be watchmen. That is, we are to warn, to watch out, to protect our homes and what comes into our homes. Warn your kids. Wash them with the water of the word. So we are told in this exhortation, first of all, to to wake up. And that includes to suit up, which leads to the second exhortation. Because in Ephesians chapter 6, that we are told that we are to suit up, that we can stand. And so Paul says, watch and then stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. Put on the whole armor of God. But also, how is it that we stand fast in the faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How that's a word for us today. See, these Corinthians, as we have seen, lived in a city and a culture that was full of depravity and full of deception. And it would be easy for these Christians in Corinth to waver, to to be tossed about, to give ground, wouldn't it? As me and a couple of my kids, we were hiking this summer. We were going up to a lake. It was hard hiking. It was straight up a hill and up by, you know, timber line uh, where... Uh, is high altitude and we were up in the spruce forest and and the spruce trees a lot of them were falling down a lot of dead down timber and the reason is because the spruce forests or the spruce trees have a shallow root system so the winds come blowing over those mountains and down the hill and it blows over many of those spruce trees they can't stand because they don't have a firm root system now you go down below and you have ponderosa pine, and you see that those pines and other pines, they have a taproot, and so they're able to withstand the wind, and they're standing firm. You know, that's how we are to stand fast, not give ground. That is, that we have our hearts to be like fertile soil so that the Word of God may grow deep roots into our hearts, that we would be ones that are constantly and consistently in the Word of God, to believe the Word of God. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you trust the Word of God? What the Word of God has to say to you from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. To stand on the promises of God. 
to live the way that God has called you to live because he loves you and his ways are true and his ways are right, that you may experience his blessing, that you may experience his life abundantly as you just live for him and, and live in the ways that he's called you to. When people come to me with problems, and I'm so glad that they do, and I tell them from God's word, this is what God's word has to say to you concerning your situation. And God's word will give them instruction. Whenever I get a response from others that say, well, that's not for me. It doesn't work. I know that they're on shaky ground. And with God's help and by his grace, we are to plant our feet in the things of the kingdom and in the word of God and to live in the ways of God. David, one of his mighty men, was a man named Shammah. Shammah's listed there in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 11. And David told Shammah, what I want you to do is I want you to guard this field of beans, of lentils. And as he was, all of a sudden the cry came out that the Philistines are upon us. And it was Shammah that he stood there and he fought the Philistines by himself. And God honored Shammah because he didn't give ground. He, he stood his ground. He said, the king has given me instructions, and that is, I am to watch the lentil, the beans, and that's what I am going to do even if the enemy is attacking. And God blessed him and honored him and strengthened him and worked through him and gave him great victory in his battle and difficult circumstance because he stood his ground. He stood his ground. Stand fast in the faith. Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.